Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. How's it going today? Wonderful. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, one thing I'm grateful for today is heat. Amen? Oh, my goodness. I saw the teens uh, in, the, uh, in my truck this morning. Uh, I think it said 19 degrees coming in. So thankful that we can have a place where we experience warmth. Uh, today is a... Uh, this week marks a pivotal week. This week is, is a time that, you know, we just came out of election season. This week may be a little bit more divisive even than that. Um, you start to see the true colors come out of people and their convictions. Uh, who are the people that decorate before Christmas or before Thanksgiving? Who are the people that decorate after Thanksgiving? Christmas music, no Christmas music. Um, and then how charitable are you towards the people who believe differently than you? Something to, th- something to think about. Uh, I was certainly, uh, we've, we've, we decorated this weekend, but you know what? It brought joy, it brought happiness into our home, and so I said, bring it on. Let's, let's do this. It's a state of mind, right? But happy Thanksgiving. Either way, this week marks uh, kind of the end of fall into the holiday season, and so... Um, it's, a, it's a good, good thing. Well, it's been fun working, uh, working through this series on um, spiritual disciplines, the fundamentals, these disciplines that, that change lives. And we've received so much gracious feedback. It's, it's so neat to see all the organic growth that happens. You know, as a, as a pastor, you try to kind of uh, maybe create the right conditions for things to happen, but you want it to happen organically as far as people meeting and groups meeting and, and relationships forming. And it has been so neat to, to just witness uh, the answer to that call of, of, of people just growing together in the richness of the kingdom and the richness of who God is and challenging one another, equipping one another. It has truly been uh, remarkable. Spiritual disciplines make room and allow us to be available for the Lord. We yield ourselves over to him, and that's what this whole series has been about, yielding ourselves over for, to him, being willing for him to work in us, to work through us. Quick review, we do this through prayer, right? Prayer is the good life. It does, we don't pray into into the good life, prayer is the good life. That's what we experience, the fullness of God in prayer, in study. Justin shared that we, we, we rest in the knowledge of God. We get to learn about who he is when we spend time in the word. It reveals so much about, about himself. It reveals who we were created to be. A lifestyle of worship. When we're in community, and, and we're, when, when, we, when we yield ourselves over, it creates this uh, opportunity for us to foster a lifestyle of worship and knowing that everything I have is God's. And, and in the midst of my time and in the midst of the way that I manage and do, do life, uh, 
when I do it with excellence in my work, at home, in all things. It, it, we have a posture of, uh, of worship that we carry with us, not only corporately, but then out into the world. And Justin shared a little bit about fasting last week, that challenge. I'm off Facebook, so if you need me, napnaz.church, email me, because I, I kind of um, just, just sense that, that maybe that was something that I could uh, just step away from in a time. But, um, you know, all of these things point back to discerning the spirit, right? Discerning the voice of God. We talk about rest and that, that, that kairos posture, that kairos pace, what is this time for? Rather than the chronos of life, driving from one thing to the next in the hustle and bustle. And I challenge you to, to make margin for kairos this holiday season, that it wouldn't become about just getting to the event, but that you'd fully immerse yourself in taking time. Festivals are a good thing. God had festivals that he instructed for the people, uh, his people all throughout scripture. It is good to be together. It's good to celebrate. It's good to come together. In the midst of that, allow yourself to be fully present, to seize the moment. So today we close our series. Today is a fun topic. As we transition into the holiday season, seems like maybe a, a fitting topic. I don't know. We talk about money today. Amen. We're talking about giving. It's 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 amazing to me this is something that can be hard to talk about, it could be uncomfortable to talk about. A lot of pastors avoid this topic. Um, but guess what? Scripture talks about it a ton. Scripture talks about it so much. So we're not gonna avoid it. We're gonna, we're gonna engage in the difficult things. Um, it can be uncomfortable. It's a private matter, right? Where our cultures allow it to become um, this, this taboo topic that we don't talk about. Unfortunately, pastors even have, have manipulated or coerced people. And so that's one reason why other pastors stay away from it because they don't wanna be associated with that. There's fear in being misunderstood. I know that's, that's the reality of where I'm at today is, Lord, may my motivations be pure, may my heart be pure. Um, I can tell you in confidence, I don't know what people give here. So I can speak with clarity. I can allow scripture to speak for itself. I'm not talking at anybody today. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm revealing what the word of God says about this. And it's one more way in the spiritual disciplines life for us to challenge ourselves in our walk. What is it that's standing in the way between you and the Lord? And I think one of the reasons why I'm excited to talk about this is because I've seen it, um, I've seen the fruit of this in my own life. Um, this was something for me that was, that once unleashed really caused me to grow in my faith in Christ. And so, and, and as we give, 
um, there's many different motivations for giving. Um, some give out of duty, right? This is the idea of like why we pay our taxes. Hey, told to do this, so I do it. Others, um, another motivation might be self-satisfaction, right? Because it feels good. I see, I, I give because it feels good. Prestige, maybe, pride. I want people to know. This was a problem with the Pharisees, right, throughout scripture is I want people to know why, how much I give and why I give. And so, um, you know, let, let others see. And so there's, there's many motivations for why we give. And, and really what I want to stick with is the motivation that Christ gives us, that Paul gives us when we give. And I want to stay in that lane today because it is a life-giving, beautiful place to be where we get to see the fullness and the fruit of, of when we give, what happens in the kingdom realm. So I want to start with this today. True Christian giving is inspired by grace. It's motivated by love and has blessing as its goal. True Christian giving is inspired by grace, motivated by love, not duty, not self-satisfaction, not prestige, but by love. And it has blessing as its goal. And so we begin at this, the most fundamental level of this. This motivation for giving is love. I want to take us to an unlikely place right here, okay? I want to remind you that in love, who did the Father send? He sent his son, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. We begin to see the motivation for this whole thing play out right from the beginning, because he loved, he gave. We begin to see the evidence of love is giving. And that while on the earth, Christ, God in the flesh, came to show us this new way to give. No longer was it about the law, that was not our motivation, not of duty, self-satisfaction or prestige, but it was love. It was always motivated by love. And so, if the kingdom of God is built on love, a generous or giving spirit or lifestyle is the catalyst to experiencing and then living out that love in the world. Basically, you want to show somebody you love them. One of the ways that we do this as the church is by our actions, by how we give. Stan Toller writes that you cannot, Stan Toller was a general superintendent of the church. He writes, you cannot separate loving and giving because true love always leads to giving. Giving in some capacity. And while there's many places that we could go to today, both Old and the New Testament, today I want to set our sights on 2 Corinthians 9. Paul's in the midst of encouraging the church in Corinth and actually this passage here talks, talks to the giver mostly. It talks about um, how good it is to give. And so something I want us to keep in mind is that this letter was written to a church. 
It was not written to us, but this letter was written for us. Because so often what would happen is these epistles, these letters would, be, would, would, um, would have a cycle through the, they, they would pass these letters along. That was before, before scripture was canonized. And so they, they pass these letters, these, these Pauline letters and others around so that other churches may benefit from, from a word that, that Paul spoke or, or others spoke. And so it wasn't written to us, but it is for us. And it, it does allow us to see inside what it looks like to give. And so before we do that, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you today for the time that we had in worship and giving honor and thanksgiving back to you. Lord, I thank you for this people, this body. Lord, I've seen it time and time again, the generosity in the lives of these people, Lord. Lord, I pray for clarity and for conviction in myself. Lord, for grace. For those that receive this message today, that they would know that it was spoken in love. Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's jump into... Hey, Brent, can you bring me down a little bit? I might get excited and want to yell later, so give me some headspace to do headroom to do that. All right, Second uh, Corinthians nine, verse, verses six, starting with six here. Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Have you heard that before? Right. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So he's propping up the giver, right? He's saying, listen, look at what's available to you who have given, who have sown generously, who have, who have, who have, tasted and seen and and tested the Lord in this. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God because of the service by which you have proved yourselves. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift. Okay, so here we have 2 Corinthians is 
a letter basically of Paul testifying to his ministry and, and kind of giving the account of the fruitfulness of his ministry in, in, book, in chapters one through seven. And then in eight, he talks about uh, another church that has been giving. And then he challenges the Corinthian church to say, hey, um, we're coming to collect it. We're coming to collect the offering here, um, but make sure this is your motivation when you give. Make sure this is your posture, okay? In this, do this so we can continue to do the work of, of God. And the first thing I want to I I share with you today is that when we give, it does something for ourselves. You've probably heard the saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive, and maybe you've experienced that in your own life. But he spends the, good, the first good part of this sharing with them that gener- what generosity does for them. Does it, does it make them uh, rich in possessions? No, not necessarily. It enriches them. It enriches them in the spiritual sense. You see, the fruit of a giver is righteousness, it says. His righteousness endures forever. So when we give, it leads to righteousness because why? We're obedient, right? Just like when we worship, just like when we do all of these things, this is no different. It's just one more way that we express trust and gratitude in who God is and we actually live into the calling. It's love in action. It's practical. Generosity in the kingdom leads to a richness in spirit a richness in loves. It takes our, our, our focus, our motivation off of the tangible things, the earthly things, and it gives sight to the eternal. It's living life with an open hand. Generosity in the kingdom leads to richness and love. I started off by telling you that this was one of the things I remember um, uh, something my, my parents always encouraged me to do. Growing up, I know my wife had uh, a piggy bank. They would, you know, early at a young age, they would, um, um, her parents would, would, okay, every time you got some money, you put a little bit in savings, you put a little bit to the church and then you'd, you, you'd have the rest, right? And you can do whatever you want with it. But it was instilling that discipline in, in her at an early age. And, um, and so as I, after, I, after I got my first job, uh, some of the stuff had to play out because I, I could conceptualize it. But then all of a sudden it's like, ah, crap. I'm not getting that much money. Like, I don't want to give this away. Like, I, I got things I want to, I got a car payment to make. I want to go to Wendy's. I want to go to, um, I want to I wanna eat it, right? I want to I eat the money I'm making. I don't want to give it to the church. I'll never see it again. And so then it, it kind of carried me for a handful of years. It, t- it took me um, it, actually into my college years where, okay, I'd get a, no, a little bit better job and I would tell myself, hey, when I going to get a raise, all right, it goes to God. You think it happened? No. I would justify another material possession of why I deserve it. And then it's like, okay, I got a new job. I'm making more money. So now I'm going to start giving to the kingdom. Again, no, it's not, until, it's not until the Lord got a hold of my heart that I started to see, I started to, I said, okay, God, I've put this off long enough. 
and I kind of had an amount. I don't, I don't, it was, uh, I don't remember the specific cause. Uh, it's funny. We're talking about what it does for the giver, right? I don't even remember what it was. I just remember that God was trying to teach me a lesson in obedience. And so, and I was, I was practicing discerning the voice of God in my life. And I prayed and I had an amount that I thought was super generous that I was gonna give to this specific situation. I said, I'll, I'll pray to God. As soon as I started praying, I sensed in my spirit, should be double. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> don't pray. Hey, listen, when you leave, don't pray about this unless, unless you want the Lord to speak to you because if you're having a hard time hearing from the Lord, just ask him what, do you, what you should do with your money. He'll, t- he'll start to reveal because what it does is it opens your eye. It opens your eyes to the things not of yourself, but of the kingdom, right? And so that was, that's what was starting to happen to me personally. And I, somebody told me today, I'm, I can't cry, all right? He's like, you cry every time. So try not to, actually, it was, it was Keegan. Keegan was here a couple weeks, a Chip's boy. And he's like, yeah, dad, but he cries every week. So Chip told me about that. He's like, hey, but you, you start to see it in your, in, your, in, your, in your own life. And guess what? It hurt a little bit. That resistance, that, that stretching, right? That's what it is. It's the whole no pain, no gain kind of thing. If you want to move the heart of God, give till it moves you. I couldn't, I, what I had done is I had predetermined what I, what I was comfortable giving up. And God's like, that's hoping to move the heart, hoping to be received in his eyes. He's like, Ben, appreciate that. But I want your heart. And I think giving this is what it'll take for me to get your heart. Like, okay. Friends, I was, I was using any excuse I could. But I finally came to the realization that no matter how much debt I had, no matter uh, what was on my plate, it wasn't a money issue, it was a heart issue. You see, our bank account has nothing to do with our giving to God. I wanna remind you that today. It's a heart posture. It's a heart motivation. That's what he's saying when he does stuff for ourselves. Our eyes become opened. We become less concerned, less focused on our own stuff, our own problems. And we set our sights on him and the needs of others. And all of a sudden, it just kind of puts life in perspective for us. It puts eternity in perspective is what it does. Number two. It does stuff for others, right? This is what we normally associate when we give. We give into the kingdom to help others. And it does. Verse, verse 12 reminds us, but it's not till verse 12 that he says that we supply needs for the Lord's people. Listen, God doesn't need your money, right? He needs your heart. He wants your heart. He can do this without us but that's not how he designed it. And what it means to be in relationship with God means giving all to him, being all in. 
doing life with an open hand. And so when we give, it helps others. It connects and meets an immediate need. This offering was for others, the the one that Paul's talking about. They were never gonna see it again. They were giving it away, being sent out, paying it forward. I don't know how many of you were here when Pastor Dave was here a couple weeks ago. I did not realize how we acquired this land. Some youth kids that didn't know anyone from Napoleon from Adam. Walked in obedience. That's why you're sitting in the chairs you're sitting in. It all started with that with a willingness to be obedient. Christian giving is an expression and evidence of the indwelling love of God. I don't want us to lose sight of that. It's how we are salt and light. It's it's the evidence of what we say we believe lived out is when we are generous. Yeah, we talk about time a lot, okay? We talk about using our gifts, right? That's important. Today we're in this lane. Because, because for, some, for, for some, I'm talking about up here, it's easy to stay out of this lane because it's uncomfortable. But the reality is there are direct implications of the posture of our heart and how we are generous. Lifewise has shown me the generosity of the people of God in a way that I have just been blown away by. I'm seeing it in real time. The gospel, the eye, kids' eyes opening for the first time because they've, they've never heard who Christ is. And all I keep thinking is 10, 15, 20 years down the road, their testimony, because someone that they, won't, they never knew, we'll never know, believed in the mission of God, believed in paying it forward because of what's been done to us, we now do to others how we've been treated, how we've experienced it. And now they have an opportunity during the school day when maybe mom or dad uh, didn't afford them the opportunity to go to church, to do this. Now they're hearing it for the first time. And what's, what, what do you think is gonna happen to the trajectory of the family tree? to a household that's never heard the gospel because now this is making its way to the dinner table. I see this all over at our church. We talked about the, the project We Care. You go online, napnaz.church. It's a, tangible, it's a tangible ask, right? Buying Christmas gifts. But what about, what about experiencing the generosity of somebody that they will never experience? They will never meet when we say yes to that, it's easy to buy gifts for my kids. I know them, I love them. It's easy to buy gifts for parents, for family members that we know and that we love. But to give to someone we love but don't know, that's what it means to be a believer who gives.
the gospel proclaimed on Wednesday nights, our kids' ministry. Sunday mornings, I already talked about the opportunities afforded by people that we will never meet to us. It's a remarkable thing. And then what happens when we give? It does something for God. It causes others to give thanks to God. Thanks be unto God. Verse 12, I'll reread this quick. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in what? Many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the giver, it reorients and repostures someone who may not understand, who may not get it, but are blown away by the extravagant generosity of the believer that where do their affections turn? Not to the government, to the Lord. Thanks be to God. 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. Giving accompanies your confession of the gospel. When we give, it accompanies our confession of the gospel. It glorifies God. So up until now, there's one word I haven't mentioned on purpose. Tithe. It's a, a lot of times it's, well, it's an Old Testament thing. God didn't, Jesus didn't say to do it. So, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't mean 10%. Um, the tithe is, is a tenth, right? And in the Old Testament, in the, in the law, you gave a tenth back to God. And so I decided to stay away from this debate, focused on the heart of the matter. You know, do you give a tenth of your gross? Do you give a tenth of your net? Do you, do you uh, is a tenth just for the, for the church and the offerings and the gifts are for parachurch ministries? Or what is the theology of, the, the theology of giving, right? What does that look like? And so then we try to kind of justify it. And again, this is the life that I was in um, where, okay, I look back to the, the person of who Christ was. The, what did he have to say in Matthew 5 about murder? Great, you don't murder. But I say, if you even think in no thought of somebody, your heart's in the wrong place. How about adultery? Great, you didn't... You didn't engage in that. But if you, but I say, if you even look at another in this way, you've engaged in it in your own heart. So no, Jesus didn't speak explicitly about how much we should give. But I wonder if he had in mind, if he got our heart, if we would give less than what was required by the law or if maybe if we had his whole heart we, he has our whole heart 
it would be more. See, Jesus was always concerned about the heart. Chances are, if we are seeking the, the voice of God, I'll tell you, he's gonna lead you towards the harder thing because it stretches your faith. You have to trust in something beyond your own means, beyond your own agency. I wanna end with this passage, probably where I could have, could have been at all day today. Mark 10, 17 through 23. You may know this. As he was setting out on a journey, he ran up to a man and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Jesus says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he says to him, teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love. He showed compassion. He showed love to him. And he said, one thing you lack Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And the man was deeply dismayed by these words. And he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much. And Jesus, looking around at his disciples, said this, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus knew that the man, what the man loved more, he saw it in his heart. It wasn't a bad thing that he had those things. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, if you're sitting in this room, you are wealthy. This isn't for the top 1%, top 10%. We are the wealthy. So who is your master? Who is your master? Do you carry things with an open hand, an open posture, an open heart? But as you meet the needs, it's not, um, you're not thinking return on investment, but you're thinking just investment into the kingdom. Investment into the kingdom, right there. We're gonna spend a trillion dollars Christmas season on material possessions. My challenge to you is this. With a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude, deciding in your heart. Because if this isn't a practice for you, 2% is a great place to start. There's some of you in this room that have been doing 10% for 20 years and it ought to be 15%. That's between you and the Lord. True Christian giving is inspired by grace, the grace we have received in Christ. Motivated by love, because we've received this, we are now motivated in love. It has a blessing as its goal, to bless others.
sorry I'm over on the giving Sunday. <laughs> I pray for your grace today. This is a hard topic, but I hope you knew the heart and my motivation today. I love you guys so much. This is something that I see the generosity time and time again. But I also know that when we live in excellence as our worship, it's always growing. And I'm saying don't, don't become complacent because that's when the enemy creeps in. Continue to find ways to be generous, to have that generous posture. I got a call Tuesday morning from someone in our community with LifeWise. They want to, they want to give, they want to do a match dollar for dollar up to $10,000 for LifeWise. See, his motivation was to spur and to challenge the generosity of others too. That's why he wanted to do that. He said, Ben, from now until Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is the third most uh, giving day of the year. December 30th and 31st, and then Giving Tuesday, which is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, right? So we have Black Friday, we have what, the, we have a name for every day, right? After Thanksgiving's over with. Um, Cyber Monday, all these things, Giving Tuesday. He says, from now until then, I'm gonna do a match I want to challenge others in the community that believe in the gospel, believe in the work that's happening to decide in their heart, right? And to give, to answer the call as well. My prayer today is that you would not uh, be frustrated with me, (laughs) but that you would walk lighter Guess what? Money comes and goes. It's not ours. And the freedom that I've experienced since I've started living life with the open hand and allowing God to dictate my bank account has been so profound. But most of all, it's enriched me here. And I pray the same for you. Let's pray and then we're gonna, we're gonna do our benediction one last time for Thessalonians 5. If we can get that queued up in the back. Oh, Father, we thank you. I thank you for this church body. I thank you for these people who have been such an encouragement to me. Lord, it's in my love for them that painstakingly prepare what you've placed on my heart. in the fun times and the difficult times, being willing, being available, Lord, to speak what you've given me. Lord, I pray for grace as as this message was received, Lord. But I also pray over every heart in this room. Impress upon them maybe a need this week, maybe something they've been putting off. Reveal to them something new. Open their eyes to see for the first time, maybe. Lord, surround them with people in their lives who are generous as well, that this would become a generous culture, like I've already seen.
Lord, may it continue to be so. Lord, thank you for all that you've done over the last six or eight weeks as we've worked through the tools that it takes to grow in faith and wisdom and stature and knowledge, to grow in heart as we yield over our own ambitions and desires for your sake, for your kingdom. Lord, our eyes are on eternity. Lord, so maybe that, may, may that translate and, and filter everything that we do. Lord, I pray for an exceptional time with family and friends this week, Lord, for those who are experiencing brokenness and hurt, Lord, draw near to them especially. Give them your peace. Give them your comfort. Lord, I love these people so much. Lord, thank you for all that you do and all that you continue to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's stand as we leave today. Uh, the doors open once we make, uh, once we bring in a million dollars today. So that's the, that's the, <laughs> no, let's proclaim the word of the Lord as we leave because it's him. Here we go. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you as faithful and he will do it. Go this week. Be blessed. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 1030 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.